Yeah. Hi, family. Um, I do want, before I get into my message, I want to tell you guys some things. My parents are here, and it reminded me. Um, so a couple months ago, I shared a story with you guys of this lady showing up to a church that I play piano at on Sunday mornings, and I'd never met her in my life, and she was definitely not a Christian, and she accused me of some activity on Facebook, um, and she accused me of some things. If you go back and listen to the podcast, you can listen to the whole story. Long story short, she ended up meeting my parents, um, and we met up with her and her husband on Monday morning, and they both, they'd never been to church in their life, and they we're not actively following the Lord. They repented and we're just like, God, we want you and gave their lives over to Jesus, which is so cool. Okay, so today is a huge celebration because they actually got baptized at Discovery Church. I know, they're actively living in their faith and I'm just like, oh, that's so cool. Like I get to teach after that. And like in the video, they were, the lady was singing, I'm no longer a slave to fear as this lady is getting baptized. And she came to me in fear. Like she, she was accusing me of some activity and it was like fear over her. And as she was being baptized, like that fear was just like being lifted off of her. And I'm pumped about it. All right. Okay, so I want to start out tonight by um, telling you guys a story. I started a year ago, in August actually. Um, I started working at a rehab. I've been getting my master's in counseling. I just finished. Um, But I worked a year-long internship at a rehab that was secular. You couldn't talk about God. It was very challenging. Um, And for about two months when I first started this job, I would eat, sleep, breathe. It's called Oasis Adolescence Center. I would eat, sleep, breathe this job, and I would wake up interceding for these kids and, like, declaring things like heaven is going to come on this rehab. And I was burning. I would wake up every single day, and I, like, could not even have a normal conversation with people because I'm like, God's coming to Oasis. Like, he's going to fulfill this destiny over this place, okay? And I would, like, come home, and I would be weeping, and God was showing me how to intercede over these kids. But after about two months, I woke up completely depleted. Like, I woke up um, one day, and I was laying in bed, and I was crippled, and I was just like, God, don't make me get out of this bed. Like, I'm so tired. I have no energy. I didn't take care of myself at all. And I was so consumed. And I was like, God, what is this? Like, I was so confident that you were going to bring heaven to this place. And the Lord was like, okay, well, you still have eight months there. I can tell you that much. Um, But number two, you've been waking up according to your destiny. What's been giving you life is seeing this destiny fulfilled. And what I'm asking you to do today is no longer focus on tangible results. I'm asking you to simply walk into work and enjoy my presence. And everything shifted. I walked in that day and I'm like, okay, pressure's all off. Like, I'm just going to be me. Like, I wasn't even myself those first two months. Half the people who worked there didn't even get to know me until, like, I worked there for half of a year already because I was so tense and like what God wanted to do and I couldn't be myself. And so I walk into work that day and I'm like, the pressure is all off. And I just felt like there was this pressure building in this bottle and the cap just came off and I was like, I'm free. Okay, so I sat in my office and the Lord, like I was just communing with the Lord and he was like, just turn some worship music on and just worship me while you're doing paperwork. And, you know, I'm sitting here typing about these kids and typing up these progress notes. And the Lord's like, ask me how I feel about them. 
Like, let me just show you my pleasure for them. They don't even know me, but I have so much pleasure for them. And I would sit in a session with these kids, and I, had, I no longer had an agenda. I wasn't trying to force kingdom on them. I was like, I just want to love you. I just want to, like, feel the pleasure of God on this person. And I was so freed up. Like, I can't even tell you the fruit that came from me just learning to be myself. And and God's like, listen, you leak the fragrance of the knowledge of Jesus. I don't have to say Jesus for those kids to encounter and for the seeds to be planted into that place. And God's like, your role in this is to just enjoy me. Your role is to worship me. So that's what I want to talk about tonight, that our purpose in life, and this, I'm going to put this on the screen, our purpose in life is to dwell in the sweetness and pleasure of God's presence. And it's in that that all the ple- pressure is off. We can just be ourselves. And so the scripture that I want to use tonight is actually when you're reading it surface level, trust me, there's a point and it goes with this. I want to speak out of a revelation that I had um, about Moses. For those of you who have hung out with me the past two months, I'm currently eat, sleep, breathing Moses. Like, I'm like, guys, did you know this was in the Bible? I'm 25. I was a pastor's kid. I've never read the story of Moses. I've heard about it. Okay, so I want to tell you a little backstory of Moses. Um, So, okay, God speaks to Moses when he's 80 years old in a burning bush and says, Moses, I want you to go and I want you to rescue the Israelites. Okay? Do you guys recall that story? So I want you to go and I want you to rescue the Israelites. So Moses goes to Egypt and after there was hardness of Pharaoh's heart, there was a ton of plagues that happened, a ton of destruction that came upon Egypt. But eventually the Egyptians let the Israelites go. The Israelites were under severe oppression and slavery. Okay? So Moses' whole destiny is like, all right, I want you to go to Egypt and I want you to rescue the Israelites. And I've got them a promised land. I've got them a land. They didn't have a land for years. And they were living in oppression. These are God's chosen people. Okay? So um, Moses, basically, finally, after a series of events of Egypt, the Israelites are let go. Okay? And they're crossing the land, and they encounter the Red Sea. The Egyptians change their mind. And God splits open the Red Sea. And as the Egyptians are following the Israelites... Um, the Red Sea splits open and they're able to cross over into the other side, which ends up being the wilderness. They spend um, 40 years in the wilderness. So if you guys recall this story, I'm trying to pretend like not everyone has heard this story. Um, So in the wilderness, God provides a lot of miraculous things. Um, He provides like water, he provides shelter, he provides food. And the Israelites have to completely rely on God for provision. So where I want to pick up is Numbers 20, for those of you who still have your good old Bibles or your iPhones. Um, I want to pick up on Numbers 20, um, starting at verse 6. Moses and Aaron are actually going before God and asking um, God for provision for water because the Israelites were out of water. So is everyone there? Good? All right. So Moses and Aaron turned away from the people and went to the entrance of the tabernacle where they fell face down on the ground. Then the glorious presence of the Lord appeared to them, and the Lord said to Moses, You and Aaron must take the staff and assemble the entire community. As the people watch, speak to the rock over there, and it will pour out its water. You will provide enough water from the rock to satisfy the whole community and their livestock. So Moses did as he was told. 
He took the staff from the place where it was kept before the Lord. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I'm giving them. So to recap, God tells Moses to speak to the rock, and what does he do? He strikes the rock, okay? Just one simple act of disobedience, Moses loses his opportunity to enter into the promised land. I don't know about you guys, but I've never read that before. I might have heard it before, but I was distraught when I read that. Like, here is this guy, okay, where he encounters God in a burning bush when he's 80 years old, and God is like, I want you to go rescue the Israelites and take them into the promised land that I'm giving them. His whole destiny in those 40 years is go to the promised land, okay? God splits open the Red Sea for the promised land. Moses encounters the manifest presence of God in a cloud for 40 days, okay, where no man could go or they would die, but Moses was allowed in, and God gives him the Ten Commandments. Okay, here's a man who is highly favored by God, and his whole destiny is to bring them into the promised land. Scripture says that no prophet ever saw God face to face the way that Moses did. But yet, because of one simple act, he misses his opportunity to go to the promised land. Like, I felt the need to mourn for Moses when I read that. Like, this is what happens when the Holy Spirit is active in Scripture. You know, it it allows to bring conversation in. And God is like, Janae, it's okay you feel this way. Like, this doesn't seem like God's redemptive character that I know. Like, if that was the case with me, I'd be out a long time ago. Seriously. Um, So, I'm like distraught, and God is like, Janae, I want you to keep reading. I've got something for you. And so I kept reading. And not one time do you see scripture addressing Moses' feelings towards losing his opportunity into the promised land. Not one time do you see him whining about his chance at no, or the fact that he could no longer enter. Not one time do you see him complaining, saying, God, I'm going to throw in the towel. I'm done following you. What do you see? You see him continuing to obey God and continuing to prepare the Israelites into the promised land, whether or not he was able to go. Amen. I'm like, God, what is this? And the Lord's like, Janae, don't you see? Moses' promised land was not actually the physical promised land. His true promised land was encountering my presence in the process to the promised land. Yeah, that's... <laughs> I'm like... This is awesome. That's what you told me. And God reminded me of the rehab. Like, no, we're not focusing on tangible results anymore. That is not our calling. My calling is to enjoy the pleasure and the friendship of God. So that leads me to my first point. Our true promised land is encountering God's presence in the process to the destination. There's gold in that. You're welcome. I'm like, there's, okay, Moses was completely satisfied in being in the wilderness, yet he knew there was so much more to come. 
There was one time where God tells the Israelites to leave their destination, to pick up where they are, and to proceed to their next destination. You know what Moses says to God? Lord, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. He was okay with where he was at because he got the daily access to God's presence. He got to go where no man was able to go. He didn't focus on a destination. He's like, I'm set. I got the Lord. I got the Lord on my side. I get to be in your glory. And what do you see the Israelites doing? You see them doing the exact opposite. They're so focused on the destination. How many times do you see the Israelites saying, Lord, take us back to Egypt? Or Lord, when are we going to get there? Or complaining about what they don't see before their eyes. Complaining about the fact they constantly forget that God provided water and that God provided food, and that God had so much more for them. They were so focused on the destination, and they were focused on tangible results that they missed out. I believe that God lured the Israelites into the wilderness to romance them and to marry them and call them his bride. You see that in Hosea. There's one time where God speaks straight to the Israelites, okay, Normally, he speaks to Moses, and Moses relays the message. But there's one time where God speaks straight to the Israelites. And they feared for their lives. They begged Moses to have God stop talking to them and for God to speak to Moses to then speak to them. What were they doing? They were trading the opportunity to have personal connection with the manifest presence of God. They wanted it through a man. They wanted it through a man. How many times do we do that? You know? <laughs> so anyways, Moses was already living in satisfaction in the wilderness. And there's something to be said about the value of a process. They, we have gold. There is gold to be accessed in a process because we get the promise of God's presence every single day. There was a couple of months ago, or like six months ago, I was going through a time of severe emotional pain, unlike anything I'd ever felt. And I was like, God, take me out of this. Like, take the pain. And God's like, I'm not going to take the pain away from you right now, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an, off, an opportunity to offer up that pain as an offering every day. And then the spirit of comfort is going to come. And you're going to get gold in that process. You're going to get gold in those times that we make history together and I prove myself to you. But the Israelites did not have a value for the process. If you look at the life of David, David had all these promises over his life. He had all these destinations. You were going to be king, okay? But that he spent years before he was actually king. And all he could tangibly see was the fear of death in front of him. Saul was constantly after him, trying to kill him. And when you look at the Psalms, you know what the Psalms were? David had promises, but the Psalms focused on God's presence. That's what my dad told me. What's up? Lander did. <laughs> That's my dad for you, girl after his own heart. Um, so 
he, you know, he had all these promises, but yet he focused on God's presence. There's, there's not many times where you see like David trying to rush the process. Like actually there was a couple of times where Saul was placed right before David and David had the opportunity of killing his enemy, of killing Saul. And that would have instantly brought him into the fulfillment of the process. He would be king. If he killed Saul, he would be king. You know what David says? Who am I to touch the Lord's anointed? He had a value more for God than skipping the process and going straight to the promise and going straight to the destiny. He made history with God. There's something to be said about making history with God where he was able to write and believe it with his whole heart that better is one day in your courts than a thousand days elsewhere. And God's like, I'll set you up for greatness. I can trust him with my favor because he had a value for the presence in the process. And he had a value for friendship. Like this is my, my heartbeat for people to understand the access that we have for God to be our friend. We can let him in on the good, the bad, and the ugly. There was a lot of complaining in the Psalms, a lot of complaining. I don't think that God is scared of your anger or your hurt, or your wounds. He wants to be your friend. He wants to sit with you. David had more of a value for friendship with God than he did anything else. Which leads me to my next point. God originally created man with the purpose of pleasure and friendship. If you look at the Garden of Eden... What was their calling? What was their purpose in the Garden of Eden? Was it to heal the sick, cast out demons, raise the dead, bring the kingdom? No. 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 (laughs) Thank you, Paul. No, it wasn't. What was it? To dwell with God. To dwell with God. The pressure was all off. Like they were already living in their destinies. They weren't trying to fulfill a destiny. This was our original calling and purpose. The greatest commandment, love the Lord God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. The pressure of performance was off. The curse of hard labor with Adam, Adam had a job, and that job was to take care of the land, take care of the animals, but that was meant to be enjoyed with God. There was no pressure in performance in that job. Like the pressure of performance didn't come until after the fall. Like there's, a, there's a curse of hard labor that came after the fall. And I believe that when we live in the fact that God, like we were created for the sole purpose of pleasure and friendship with God, we can be ourselves again. Like the pressure is off. I remember um, a couple years ago, I started playing piano at a church um, in the morning. They'd asked me numerous times before I gave in because I learned off YouTube just a secret, not really a keys player, But by the grace of God, I'm growing into it, and I'm learning a lot. Um, So I started playing piano at a church, and, uh, um, you know, one of the main reasons why I accepted it was I love worshiping God, but also I needed a job, and they paid. And so I started um, playing piano (laughs) for about six months. Let me tell you that I could go to City Beautiful and play this piano part perfectly. When I played at this church, I would be like, Bless the, like the most off key, every head in the sanctuary was just like, like what just happened? Every single part I would butcher. I could not get it right. I would get nauseous before I would play. 
I would shake. I'm like, this is crazy. Like, I don't shake, and I'm shaking as I'm playing. How can I go to City Beautiful and play the same part without even thinking twice, and then I come here, and I'm not myself? You know what the Lord said? Well, that's because you've placed your identity as a paid musician. Therefore, you're going to act as a paid musician under the pressure of performance, which ultimately leads to fear. And nobody thrives under fear. Let's get real. Nobody. My identity had to shift there. God was like, if you go there, I have given you this job over your qualifications in the natural because I trust you that your sole desire in life is to worship me and to enjoy my presence. And God's like, if you go there and your sole purpose, paid or not paid, is to enjoy me, you'll thrive. And I've been playing there for two years, and I honestly can say, since I broke that off, since I broke off that identity that I was walking in, I've been able to thrive. I've been able to even grow as a piano player and blow my mind in the things that I never thought I could play. And God's like, I want to set you up for greatness, but you've got to have your identity and pleasure and friendship with God. That's your role. Which goes to my last point. Um, When our deepest longing is solely to know God more, that is what ultimately sets us up for greatness. Going back to Moses, he was one of the most influential leaders in Scripture. He received the Ten Commandments in the manifest presence of God where no man could go or they would die. And the Ten Commandments have been passed from generation to generation to generation. Hands down, one of the most influential leaders. Right? But Scripture says, I read this, I was like, that's in there? That's awesome. He was the most humble man on earth. Why do you think he was the most humble man on earth? Because he got in the presence. He saw God. He's like, oh my gosh, I just want more of you. Nobody gets in the presence, sees God face to face, and is still impressed with themselves. I just want more of you, God. It rids you of yourself. And he's like, that person, they just want more of me. I'm going to set them up for greatness. You know? He's, he wants to trust you with favor. He wants to trust you with destinies and dreams that you could have never even dreamed for yourself. But we've got to be rooted in the sole purpose and pleasure and friendship with God. Day to day. Paid or not paid. Moses would get in the presence and he would say, God, show me your glory. He would get in the glory. That blows my mind. And say, show me your ways. Show me your glory. When I read that, I was like, you really do never get boring. He just wants more of God. We don't seek God in order to become great, though. We seek him solely because he's God. And that's what sets us up for greatness. He can trust us with that favor. One of my favorite pastors always uses this analogy. You know, we don't seek God. We don't seek intimacy in order to better our ministry or in order to better our calling, our purpose. That's professional intimacy. You know what, what else we call professionally intimate in society? 
prostitutes. We don't seek him in order to become great. It's the inside, upside-down kingdom. When we're rid of all of ourselves and we're like, God, I just want more of you, he lifts you up. He's like, okay, I can trust that person. I can give them favor. I can give them things because they'll steward it well. I went through um, a couple of years ago, I went through a time of prophetic words. I'd never encountered prophetic words before in my life. Um, And I had person after person who I didn't know at all. People would come up to me and start declaring things over me that's like, well, that's awesome. Like, so much bigger than I could have ever even dreamed for myself. Like, you're going to lead worship in stadiums. Like, when you lead worship, there's going to be this supernatural outpouring of healing, and there's all these things that they would say over my life. But I'm like, come on, that's awesome. And finally, after getting the same word over and over and over of the greatness that God wanted to give me, I was like, okay, I'm going to be great. This is awesome. God, I'm going to be great. You're rewarding me for the unseen, for seeking you in the unseen. And I started believing it. And so I'll go before God and I'm like, no duh, I'm going to seek you. No duh, I'm going to worship you. You're taking me to the place that I could have never even dreamed for myself. And I'll come to him in this childlikeness of like, you're so awesome. Like you have these dreams. You're wild. You're crazy. But somewhere along the lines, it subtly shifted. It came about me again. It's, we have these subtle heart shifts every day that if we're in the presence, when we get back and we hit the default button, God reminds us, no, 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 this is all about me. I've recently been in a season where those prophetic words are starting to be fulfilled. I'm starting to get a taste, even me being up here. I've gotten so many words about God anointing my mouth. And the thing is, is it's not satisfying if I'm not rooted in the Lord. It's not. I was sitting there drinking my coffee this morning in the presence, and I'm like, God, it sounds so cheesy, but there really is no place that I'd want to be right now other than here. Like, this is where I find fullness of life. I remember um, a couple of months ago, I just recorded an album and I, you know, just graduated with my master's in counseling, and I got my dream job, okay? There are all these fulfilled words starting to take place. And I was thinking, like, this is the life that I wanted for myself. When I was 20, dreaming about my life, this is the fulfillment that I wanted, and I'm here. Not much has really changed other than the fact that I've fallen in love with the Lord. Thank God I've fallen in love with the Lord, or I would be so dissatisfied, Okay? So a couple, uh, like probably two months ago, I got all my tracks back for my album, and um, I got them back in the middle of the night, and I barely slept that night because I knew they were emailing them to me, and I woke up at six in the morning, and I'm like laying in bed, and I'm like, this is so awesome. Like, it's like a fulfilled prophetic word as I'm listening to these songs. I'm like, God, this is so cool. These songs sound awesome. And then after I was done listening to the tracks, I laid in bed, and I legit found myself sad. Something hit me. I was sad. For 10 minutes, I was like, well, that's probably the devil, so I'm going to rebuke that. I shouldn't be sad right now. And the sadness didn't leave. I'm like, God, what is this? 
And Lord was like, so much of your hope shifted in the past four months. You've been waking up in the morning over the fact that you're going to record an album. So much of your hope has come from a tangible destination. And I've set you up. I set you up. There have been things that you've missed out on in the past four months because your hope has shifted. And there's no condemnation in it. But I had to repent last week, bawling my eyes out. God, I'm so sorry for seeking you for your benefits. When we come into the kingdom, we get a family. We have the promise of provision. We have the promise of a father. There is so much that happens when we experience the benefits of God. But I was like, God, I'm so sorry for seeking you for your benefits. I don't ever want to fall into that trap again because my hope comes from God alone. My hope, my joy, what wakes me up in the morning is the fact that I get him. I get the promise of him every day. A destination that no longer wakes me up in the morning. That's just icing on the cake. And it's felt the Lord say tonight before he gave me any other message. He was like, Janae, I want you to ask my church, City Beautiful Church, what wakes you up in the morning? What wakes you up in the morning? Is it your routine? Is it your job? Is it your appetite? So many times I wake up, I'm like, what do I want to eat today? Who do I want to hang out with today? What kind of fun and adventure do I want to have today? And all those things are good. They're blessings from God. Don't get me wrong. But the Lord is asking you to just simply enjoy the sweetness of his presence for the rest of your life. Pressure is all off. You don't have to perform. You are the fragrance of Jesus just by simply being you and enjoying him. The pressure is all off. This felt the Lord say, Janae, release the true promised land over my people. It's my presence. There is gold. There's joy. There's life to be found. Moses didn't even have the blood of Jesus covering him. We have the blood of Jesus, and every single person covered in the blood of Jesus can enter into that glory. It sounds like this far-off concept, but I'm telling you, I'm encountering things. I'm getting my mind blown. I'm seeing my friends encounter things. They're getting their mind blown. He never gets old. I want to read something over you guys. Um, I want to encourage you to just maybe close your eyes. I, I think part of the way of enjoying the sweetness of his presence is meditating on his word. This is how he speaks. So I want to read this over you. Maybe even picture yourself in the day-to-day. What about picture yourself when you're waking up in the morning as I read this over you? How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint, to enter the courts of the living God. With my whole being, body, and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow builds her nest and raises her young at a place near your altar. 
O Lord of heaven's armies, my King and my God, what joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. What joy for those whose strength comes from the Lord. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than to live the good life in the homes of the wicked. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives grace and glory. He will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you, who found hope in you. So God, I just pray for a genuine heart transformation. My words will only do so much. You can't think yourself into an encounter. You can't think yourself into more love. I really believe that it's got to be a transformation of the Holy Spirit. You can't think yourself into hunger. I believe that's an aspect of the mind. But God's got to do the work. Holy Spirit's got to do the work. So the pressure is all off, even in to start walking in this. You can just breathe him in. Breathe in his nearness. You get that promise every day. He doesn't promise that it'll always be easy. But there's gold in the hardships. There's history to be made in the hardships, in the process. Lord, I pray for every single person in this room to be able to say, better is one day in your courts, God, than a thousand days elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Lord, I want us to be lovesick lovers to be so hungry for you. It's like, I'll do anything, God. I'll do anything. Lord, I just break off all the lies that are telling people, don't be extreme, don't be extreme. You have permission to take the Bible literally to live in that reality. I break off all the lies that tell you that you can't fully trust God with your whole heart, that he won't fully provide, that we can go into our jobs. What we used to do for money, we now do solely for love. So you're free. You're free to be you. You're free to love God. Lord, that every person in here would learn what it's like to let themselves be known by you. The good, the bad, the ugly. We live in such a performance world. We gotta perform for God. And he's like, no. I see. I want you. I created you to be you. So, Lord, thank you for just an increased awareness of your presence, of the reality of your nearness. Thank you, Lord. We bless you.